and it is called Tulsa King. It is about a a guy that a goomba it's like about a, a goomba. A, can you do, can you explain? Can you give the plot line in a Sylvester Stallone impression? Is about a a guy who was a capo for the mob in New York City, and uh, this is really good. He's been. He's been in prison for 25 years for not uh, ratting out the other capos. And uh, because he's old, he's like 75 years old, but he's still kind of a badass. They tell him to go take over Tulsa, Oklahoma, because there's no mob. There's no mob presence there. And Sylvester Stallone goes to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and becomes the mob presence there. I'm I telling love it. You, That's great. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe say listen to it. <laughs> All right, you know the last episode uh, I I thought sounded pretty good despite the fact that we were in a we we were in a cafe. Uh I thought it tasted pretty good. It did taste pretty good, although I will point out something you and I both missed. And Brandon Bruce pointed it out to me that uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. I should be or we should be? Apparently in the midst... No, you should be. Oh, Because apparently, and I didn't even even notice, but apparently on the soundtrack in the the cafe, Hotel California started playing and you (gasps) didn't lose your shit. And he was a little disappointed. Oh. I know, I didn't even notice it. Oh yeah, my God! No, Brandon, you know what? And Brandon, Brandon Bruce, you are right. I should have flipped the fucking table at that point. Yes, you're right. You should. You should. Yeah, you should have but thrown you like know an what? omelet at to, something. Yeah. To, to Don Hall's credit, I was so engrossed in the conversation. So the only and cure the to Hotel meal. California is a conversation with Don Hall and a meal at the Cornerstone Cafe. There you go. I love it. There we've we've plugged them twice. We've God, plugged them twice. That All right. So fucking uh, song does so what do you, suck, doesn't it? I got you. You really hate that song. I don't. I, I love really it. Really anyway, do. Like I so there are fewer things. Like look, I I I love I love sailing. I love uh, day drinking with my friends. I love my children. I love when my dog looks at me sweetly and just kind of sits and we have like locked eye moments. I love having sex with my wife. I fucking hate Hotel California. Speaking of other things that you hate, uh, Donald Trump is running for president uh, a second time. So what? Now, wait a minute. You say so what? So So you were dismissive of this? You're dismissed. You just think it's bullshit. You don't think he even even have a chance. He even has a chance look, of, uh, of of clinching the nomination and winning no, again I in mean, 2024. Look, look, I'm not gonna be the fucking idiot that everybody else was in 2015, 2016. Like we, of course, he has a chance of clinching the nomination. Of course, he has a chance of winning. He's Donald Trump, right? Like he's. He's kind of like fucking Superman. He can do the things that no other man on this planet can do. I, 
I, I will take it back. I don't think he's like Superman. I think he's like P.T. Barnum. And if you follow the life of P.T. Barnum. Sure. But he put he put his name. He started off as a businessman. He started putting his name on shit. I mean, he bought he bought like this museum. The first thing he did is he bought a museum, immediately changed his name to Barnum's Museum. So he put his name on everything. He got very famous. Uh, he toured the world. And then he got hit with uh, a lot of litigation, some bad investments, and yeah. some real public humiliation. And then he came back as a temperance speaker, made all his money back basically talking to people about not drinking booze while he was selling booze on the side and uh, and then became a legislator in Connecticut. Yeah, but Don, P.T. Barnum was smart. P.T. Barnum... So you don't think Donald, Donald Trump is smart? No, I think Donald Trump is... has a niche. Niche. Has a niche? Niche. Yeah. But Donald Trump doesn't read the weather well. Oh, I think he reads it very well. Wow, that's an interesting statement. I, I think that statement. no, I think that Donald Trump it, it, 2015, 2016, Donald Trump, the weather was obvious. It's weather, it's Florida weather. It was sunshine. Like it was America was prime for Donald Trump. Now things are a little fucking Chicago weathery. It's gray and 85 in the morning. By the afternoon, it is sunshine and 32 with rain. Like it, there is a risk that Donald Trump could become president again. Of course there is. However, the midterms, I feel like these midterms have, have given us a guide into what America's really thinking as a whole better than any other midterm that I can that I can think of. And of course, I'm not you know the virgin on CNN or MSNBC with the big board. I, I'm not a political wonk or whatever. But from my knowledge, that's what it's looking like. And the fact that you know there wasn't a red wave, but that within that red wave non-red wave loss that most of the losses came from Donald Trump endorsed candidates. The one remaining factor is Herschel Walker. But everybody else that Trump endorsed did not go well. Uh, Fox News and, and the, the, the Murdoch, the Rupert Murdoch media empire, the way that they're treating Trump, the ones that elevated him, that gave him the platform to be the president that he became and the candidate that he was... Uh, they're turning on him. They have no interest in him. And Trump is nothing without his media. And well, I you think know, it's that they're going to start to uh, shut him down. I think it's an interesting so, thing that the first the first part of your discussion was like, I'm not going to make the same mistake that we made in 2015, 2016. And if I recall 2015, no one took Donald Trump seriously. Everybody thought he was a joke. Everybody thought he was it, a joke. We all thought he was a joke. And and now what you're saying is now everybody says including Fox News that Donald Trump is a joke. And what did he do? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that Okay. 
is that we finally, Fox News included, has finally learned its lesson. I God, I fucking hope so. Are has you kidding me? Now, I know. Hang on. Has learned its lesson to... And you call take, me the optimist? No. Now, to take his power away from him. Fox News cut out on his announcement on Tuesday, last Tuesday. And during the election two weeks before, and maybe earlier than that, I don't know, I don't follow Fox News that closely. Um, although I will over Thanksgiving weekend, Wonka Wonka in... Proper, you know, proper. Um, you know but they're 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 passing the buck over to DeSantis. So like he's the future, Trump is the past. This is the the conversation that the that the conservative media is pushing. Well, they are now. They are right now. Yeah, but right up until right up until the midterms. That's not what they were pushing. They were let getting. Me, let there. me share. They were getting. Let there. me share. Let me share this with you real quick. Um, I wrote this. I wrote this back in 2017. Um. To misquote the off-quoted meme, Donald Trump is not the president we need, but he is the president we deserve. As we stare at this overwhelming mistake occupying the same chair as great leaders of our past, we see ourselves reflected back in spades. We see narcissism and unceasing self-promotion. We see a cracked sliver of an inability to admit when we are wrong. The mirror shows a thin-skinned and a pathological need to use social media to punish those critical of us. My question is, and this is my point, Twitter didn't become a cesspool because of its leadership. Twitter became a cesspool because of us, because we use it. Facebook isn't a piece of shit because of Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Facebook is a piece of shit. Facebook is a piece of shit because yeah. we use it. And what I what I what what I voters vote for what they see in themselves. And I wonder what yes. in those in those ensuing years what has changed. Because I'd suggest, in fact, I'd further suggest that our addiction to narcissism and self-promotion is worse than it ever was. Our inability to see nuance in our world and to change our minds based on information is more calcified and our skin is thinner than even in 2016. If that was true in 2016, tell me why it's not going to be true in 2024. Well, we've had Eight years, what, what is it, 16, 20, 14, four years? How many years is that? Jesus, 24. That'd be six. <laughs> six years since he became Holy president. Christ. That was Yeah, hard. you've been drinking. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm two drinks in, and I'm, I'm not good at math, but that was really fucking hard. That was that was pretty bad. No, it was six years. So it's six been, years it's since been he won the president. 27 years, and I mean, the difference is it's been six years. It has been... I think people but we're worse are... than we were then. We're worse than we were then. The things that we entrenched in that got but... Donald Trump elected are worse now than they were before. Yes. Despite despite the midterms, which I also think it would be a mistake to read too much on either direction, because I've I've heard think pieces and listen to podcasts that say, on one hand, the midterms were a repudiation of the extreme right. Yeah. I've also heard very equally, I've heard the same number of think pieces and podcasts have said it was a repudiation of the extreme left. And what I've noticed, both the extreme right and the extreme left are not taking that as the lesson. They're taking the lesson is we didn't try hard enough. 
We didn't push yeah, our agenda I, more aggressively. So uh, my question is, nah. what other than the fact that we're worse as a human species than we were six years ago, yeah. what has changed that will prevent Donald Trump from becoming... Well, I feel like the, yeah, the, the, the midterms have shown that America is, yeah, we're worse as a species and we've had to deal with a lot of, and we're living with the horrible things of the last decade. Twitter being what it is, Facebook being what it is. COVID, I mean, we've dealt with a lot of shit. Sure, yeah, there's been a lot of shit that's gone on. It's been a rough six years. Been a rough six years. I think that people are fucking tired. And I think what happened in the midterms is what's shown is that people are tired of the fucking noise. Like, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene got reelected. Bobert, I think at this point, is still up for grabs. I, I think as I think as this recording but, at but, this recording she's still up for grabs, you know, but but it's and it really was and it was close. It was close with Carrie Lake. It's still close with Herschel Walker. Like look at the idiots, the loud, the extremes of the right. It's not so easy for them to take their place because America's going. You know what? I I I like that you're willing to fight for us, and I like. Where you're coming from. But Carrie Lake, what the fuck are you talking about? Walker, what are you talking about? Green, what are you talking like it Bobert, what are you talking about? It's they're it's it's a lot of they're tired. We are tired of the self-aggrandizing and the chomping at the bit of this idea that democracy is falling when like, no, we want fucking fair elections. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. That's fine. I, I don't I, I I don't know that we're better off or I don't know that we're worse off. I think that we're in a place of real reconciliation. And I think the next two years are going to be a, pl- and, a point of reconciliation. Boy, you really are more optimistic than I, because when you look at the numbers, and you know how I am about those numbers, uh, when you look at the numbers, I think it would be very, and I do, and I see, I see the folks on the left, myself included, my initial reaction, like my mom, was to go fucking A- the Democrats pushed back, and yes, it was historic, but it's not like it's not like Carrie Lake, who was probably um, other than the fact that she's hot and I'd fuck her, um she totally it's not like what yeah, it's not like what she said. She was she was almost out trumping Trump. I mean, she yeah. was as far over there as possible. It's not like she was defeated handily. It's not like like the Democrats right. came in and Hobbs just beat the shit. I of mean, it was not. razor right. thin. Right. No, and it's and what I'm saying is it was razor thin between effectively a moderate Democrat and a rabid, foaming in the mouth, ridiculous parody of a fascist candidate. So the idea that somehow we've moved toward moderation doesn't really Dude. track as much as nah, man. Because the thing you is, you got to take fact, little wins, no, brother. David, David, there's they and they are very little wins. The fact yeah, that they are. Walker, who is functionally I know. retarded, I know. <laughs> is still in a runoff, does not bode well for I, the country, in my I opinion. Was, I was thinking about that tonight. That that um Oh God, who's Walker running against? Jesus. Warnock. 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 So Warnock, you know, here's a guy who is he's a preacher. 
He's a civil rights hero. He's a he is preaching in the same pulpit from the same pulpit, the same church that Martin Luther King Jr. preached. For. Like he is, I know he has bona fides, man. And like I worked with him on some work stuff for one of our clients. Like he is a he is smart, he is thoughtful, he is kind. The like guy's on is, his shit. Yeah, the fact that he has to go up against a fucking brain damaged. Uh, allegedly, my alleged brain damaged Herschel Walker. I mean, he played football. There's a pretty good chance he has CTE. Listen to the things sure. he says. Herschel Walker probably has CTE. He either has CTE or he's functionally retarded. I, I so, can't, you know. I, I just have to wonder, like, when when Raphael Warnock goes to bed at night, when he's laying there in the dark and the quiet, when the day calms down and the sea goes to sleep and he's thinking, he's got to think, the fuck is wrong with my state? The fuck is wrong with me? That I'm in a run-up with this fucking See, bottom of I, old I would, shoelace. I would argue that that probably what he's he's probably initially thinking, what the fuck's wrong with my and state? He's a, but he's I would a, also he's a praying say, man. So God, where the fuck I, are you? But I also guarantee you, he's not going. Wow, the country is really embracing moderate thought. No, I think what the country the is doing... The midterms really proved... The midterms really proved that we are suddenly embracing moderation. I guarantee you that he is not laying in his bed going, thank God the country's coming around because nah, he's looking at, at, at that razor-thin margin that everybody else won by, and he's like, what, what the, country, the fuck is going on? What the country on? has proved is that we're not embracing moderatism. We're... Getting a little fucking tired of extremism. I don't know if I agree with you. I think I think you and I are tired of it. I think there are plenty of people. Don, tired you and I have been it. tired of it before it began. Forty nine percent. Forty nine percent of Georgians voted for a moron. Forty nine point eight percent of Arizona. Voted for a beautiful, sexy Nazi. I cannot say that when those are when, two states, you know, though. Those are two states, dude. Look, we have, dude. If you look, no. If you look across the entire United States, there are four, five issues. Five issues that in exit polls, everybody, you know, not everybody, but most people, you know, then in exit polling, there were five issues that people decided these are my priorities in voting. Now, the five priorities that they were listed that they were allowed to choose. The economy, crime, democracy, abortion, and immigration. And if you look very carefully, for the most part, this is not a universal truth, but uh, I would say it's about 80% from what I read in the numbers. 80% of the time, if it was a state that did not already have abortion protections and did not already have a, a comprehensive election strategy, if it was a state like that, then it went Democrat overwhelmingly. And the two issues that were that were nailed were abortion first and democracy second. But overwhelmingly, the states that did not lean heavily Democratic, that leaned heavily, even, even if like New York, it won Democrats because winning as a Democrat in New York is like showing up. But even then, they lost. They lost major ground 
because it's a safe state for abortion and they weren't worried about democracy. Well, the Republicans really did pretty well in those those districts because the it was economy and crime. So the country is not as focused on moderation as I think anybody is predicting because of these midterms. And I do think the thing that we're missing is if you watch Donald Trump at any time, at any time, but specifically at any time in the last two years on television and turn the sound off, you see a loser. You see a guy that lost an election. No, nah, he's on fucking his, tired, That's man. waning. Yeah. Now, see, that's yeah. what you see. But when you turn the sound on... There is, there, whether you dislike him or not, whether or not you think he's a moron or not, there is a charisma involved in this guy that I can't explain because every time he talks, I want to fucking poke my eyes out with a stick. Yeah. But there's no. easily, easily I, a third of the country thinks he's the fucking a jam. A third of the country and does. But it. I think that he has, I, I, I watched it and I feel that he looks tired. He sounds tired. And like, this guy's got a lot of shit on him. Like he, I mean, all the lawsuits, the insurrection, the I, fact you that know, his daughter and his, you know, like his family's not there. He doesn't have the same shit that he had. He doesn't have the same. He doesn't have as many rounds, as many and as many powerful rounds in his magazine as he did in 2015 and 2016. And All I right, think that's, that's going to hurt him. I hope and I you're think right. People I hope are getting. Right. I think that I, really I, hope I you're think right. and I pray and I hope that America actually is tired of Trumpism and tired of Trump. It will die out. The, you know, there was a time when, when Michelle Bachman was like the most dangerous person on the planet in America or on the planet in America. Jesus, she was the most dangerous person in American politics because of how influential she was. Because she was so the right wing crazy. Ugh. Michelle Bachman was in and out with what, like four years? Marjorie Taylor Greene won her seat. Is that right? Yeah. She's still in Congress. Okay, but why did Marjorie Taylor Greene oh, fuck. Matt okay. Gates. All right. Matt Gates is still no. is still in office. Yeah. But there's but there's a lot of people that yeah. aren't in office. There's still the extreme. The extreme exists. And they're more powerful than they were before. But they're also you know not why, as numbered. You know why they're more... They might be powerful, well, but they're not as numbered. But, no, the, the, you know why they're more powerful? Because the Republicans are going to have such a slim margin of voting that that small group of the Freedom Caucus is yeah. now going to exert an un, unnecessarily uh, distracting locus of control that they did not have before. And it's, I, you know, it's like I, my, my well, prediction for the next two years is we're going to have a, from the House, we're going to have a whole lot of unnecessary and stupid investigations. From the Senate, we're going to have a whole lot of Biden's uh, judiciary picks get in, get in, you know, get in. And that's about all that's going to happen. And that means that there's not going to be a lot of action and that means that Good. when it comes to a presidential, you know well, when it Good. when it comes to a presidential election, we're not going to have a whole lot to hang our hat on. Good, and and, and I'm I, I'm not afraid of Donald. We Trump, need a two-year sabbatical. America I'm needs a two-year yeah. sabbatical, and then we need to get back into it. And and Biden in 2024 speaking is not the guy for us, but I don't know who is, but he's yeah. not the one Speak, for us. Speaking of speaking of sabbatical, yeah. Um, I've been 
and you know this, and I know you've been on the same fence, um, pretty unhappy with the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both on Disney Plus and in cinemas, has been performing. They have not been knocking either one of us out of the park. I mean, I mean, look, there's, you know, you know, phase four uh, has not been has not well, been a raging success I, I for love, me or you. Love WandaVision, love Loki, uh, Winter Soldier, Falcon, Falcon Winter Soldier. That was great. I like Marvel yeah, that was, was nice. Really good. So I didn't care. I didn't see that, so I can't say I didn't care for it. I didn't watch it, so I, I, that's fair. You said you liked it, and that's enough. So, so MCU has had some hits and misses, right? We've had some hits and misses. Yeah. I personally, yeah. you didn't mind Thor: Love and Thunder. I kind oh, of hated it. I, I need to go back on my, that though. Okay, all right, because I really hated that fucking movie. When and I the first more I watched thought it, about it, the more I hated it. So, I think that my my opinion of Thor: Love and Thunder was. Uh, um, clouded by your opinion of it because you told me like i fucking hated it and i was like well shit if don hall hates a marvel movie that intensely because you were intense about it and i still and i still dislike it even more even more than i did before you like things i mean it's it's your optimism like you like things that shouldn't be like i really but with the way you the way your opinion of thor love and thunder was like so i went into it going okay so I think I had that in the back of my head. So I watched Thor: Love and Thunder and thought, I did, okay. And then I watched it again and went, Nah, nope. Yeah. And then, and then, I watched Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and went, That's exactly where I was headed. That movie, ex- right? Fuck because Love and Thunder. I saw Black uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever with my mom when I got back from Chicago. And you saw it uh, earlier, and alone on my own. The thing, no one else. Yeah. the The thing that I love, the thing that I love, is it was an example. There are a couple of things that I love about that movie. Uh, um, I actually wrote about it last week, um, and and one of the things that I think is amazing, and 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 that was one of the things that I that I wrote about is this is this is I'll just read you the very beginning because I thought this was funny. No one really flinched. When Tony Stark's no one really flinched when Tony Stark's wingman Colonel James Rupert Rhodey Rhodes went from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle. Sure, it was a bit jarring, but Iron Man Two had just glossed over the difference as if most couldn't tell the difference between one black actor to the next. I mean, it wasn't like Howard died; he just wanted fair compensation, and the powers that be decided to replace him instead of pay him, such as Hollywood. And I'd hazard a guess. More likely Hollywood for black people than for others. We took it in stride and did our best to enjoy a subpar Marvel sequel. If Howard had died, there may have been a bit more responsibility on the creative team to deal with that absence in a less blunt manner. Because you can't just replace an actor who is deceased, right? Well, no, that's wrong. Actually, Ed Wood did it with Bella Lugosi with the chiropractor of his wife. Paul Walker was replaced in the Fast and Furious franchise with his brothers in CGI. Richard Harris was replaced as Dumbledore. So the thing about it was what I loved about, and there's so many things I loved about Wakanda Forever, but one of the things I really loved about it was that Coogler, Ryan Coogler is... 
as important, I would say, to the MCU sort of universe as was John Favreau in the beginning. Mm, yeah. Because Ryan yeah. Ryan Coogler has has said not only and and part of it is because it's Black Panther and part of it is because that movie was a cultural milestone that had never been done quite the way it was, but he takes he takes this shit real seriously, and he wants to tell the absolute best story that honors the characters. And when he honors the characters, he honors those of us who love the characters. And I think he did such a remarkable job with Wakanda Forever. Um, and and I loved it so much, it made me hate Lord Thor, Love and Thunder even more. Yeah, so I think that's that's the uh, the beat of plot here to discuss on this Apecast, is, is why, why Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, makes Thor, Love and Thunder suck shit even more than it did a month ago. And like to a lot of your points, I mean, I, I thought that, I, you know, I had a lot of concerns about Black Panther, like, about, about this movie, that there was a lot for them to deal with in, in the reality of things, with Chadwick Boseman dying, uh, in the MCU story that they're trying to tell. And in the Phase 4 MCU woke weirdness that keeps popping up, where, like... They're if, pushing for diversity in a way that, that yeah, is, is a little ham... It's a little ham-fisted. It's, which it's, is great. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's just so no, damn well, but here's clumsy. The thing, it's is clumsy. That, so let's address that right now. I mean, right off the bat, you know... Denai Guerrero, who played Okoye, plays Okoye, uh, Angela Bassett, um, Lupita, uh, I don't know how to say her last name, but she plays Nakia, the spy. Yeah. Like. Letitia Wright, who plays uh, Shuri. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. All right. Um, But who played Ironheart? Uh, Dominique Thorne? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So she was great, by the way. Great, I think, because they could have really fucked Riri Williams up with, yeah. with Ironheart. They really could have fucked it up, and she was so winning and exactly the character I wanted her to be, exactly the character I expected her to be, exactly the character I hoped her to be. And I'm really looking forward to Ironheart. On I'm really, Disney I'm Plus excited now. about I'm it. Yeah, really look because I just. But here loved you have her. Yeah. here you have four. Female characters. Yeah. Not including Letitia Wright. Four female characters that provide incredible performances, offering incredible character development, humor, tragedy, stakes heightening, all of it. Badass story. Origin. You know, like, it, it can be done. She-Hulk well, didn't do that. Can, can, can I throw did. it out? And, and one of the things that makes yeah. it so good, in my opinion, again, it's it because it, 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 it lacks that awkward clumsiness that even in Endgame, so in Endgame, you have that moment where you have all the females, all the female yeah. superheroes come she's together. Not, but she's not alone. Yeah. 
Yeah, or and it's a it, and it's yeah. a really yeah. for it's really forced. I think a lot of the stuff about She Hulk was really forced. You know what I loved about these five women who comprise the center of the heroics of Wakanda Forever. At no point, at no point in that film do they go and. Yeah, women. We're women. Yeah. It didn't matter that they were now, women. Here, they were the heroes the that needed the, to happen, and it was great that way. That moment in, in Endgame, the only thing that pulled me out of it, it wasn't all the women coming together, because when it was, they were all getting, I went, cool, great, here's all the women, awesome. Let's see them fucking It's great, but it's cool. clumsy. It's here's, really clumsy. Here's what makes it clumsy for me. Here's the one thing, and I have an issue with it, earlier in the film, with, the character who play, uh fuck, I can't remember the actor's name, nor can I remember the character's name, but Wasp. Uh, oh, uh, Evangeline Lilly. Evangeline Lilly. When Evangeline yeah. Lilly chimes in, and when she's like, you got it, Cap. That is it. I know it's a throwback to yeah. where Ant-Man says, you call him Cap, or whatever the fuck that, like, cute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. But then she, there's a moment when she arrives where she's clearly mundanely acting to the green screen yeah that makes it feel like oh get fucked just get fucked i blame yeah. it all it, on evangeline of evie vivine vine, vine i actually think she's very good i like evangeline lily <laughs> i think she's very good as the yeah, wasp but yes i mediocre, i agree there. but what again going back going back to wakanda forever is you have five incredibly strong first of all incredibly well, let strong me, let me just say my, my point about leticia right so oh my other concern okay, yeah, you're like, to, her back. to round it out is like i was concerned that leticia because i i knew even before we knew like i kind of oh figured yeah we knew she was that be, she yeah. was going to be the that new black the panther when they said they weren't going to recast him okay fine which i'm fine totally cool great awesome let's mm-hmm. do it I was concerned about the actor and could she carry this film in this film in Wakanda forever. She didn't have to carry it. No, she didn't because there were so many supportive. Oh, you like, okay? I'm sorry. A, or a Koye this carried is, it. This is Angela Queen Bassett's Ramonda movie. carried it. Yes. God it's, damn. Like, she's so good. The she's other, so the powerful. other characters carried it, but Lakita or Letitia, Jesus, I I sound like a fucking racist right now. Like I can't get their names right. That's because you're drunk. I That's know. it. And when Le- you drink, the the inner Leticia. racist comes out. You're a Jew. You're a Jew. Kanye's, you know, hit your people. No, Kanye's right. Man. I get it. Letitia, I get it. Letitia surprised me. She really. I thought she was great. She was. She great. was phenomenal. She is not a Chadwick Boseman. She is not a Chris Evans. She is not. No. A she doesn't have Robert the charisma. Yeah. She is not a Scarlett Johansson. Like what? But I, it know. doesn't mean she can't be. It doesn't. This is the thing I think is interesting. She it really mean did a good she job. Can, she grew into the character. I'd like to see her grow further. I really yeah. enjoyed her. The only thing I there had, was the only concern I had was like, which if you're going to if you're going to do CGI as, to play with that. Yeah, if you're going to do her CGI as uh, the Black Panther. Could you add a few pounds? Because all I could think of in that fight scene with Namor was, man, nah. could she just eat a sandwich? Well, here's the thing, man. Is And I, I've watched a lot of videos on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of um, film critics that I watch on YouTube that I think often are, it's like a 
I agree with them. And oh, you guys are just pissing and moaning because it's a it's a female empowerment bullshit. White male oh, being yeah, replaced bullcrap. Yeah. No, I don't have a problem. With that. She That's was just skinny. Fucking, no. I thought she can't. No, beat, I think she couldn't that we beat forget the shit anybody. We forget that these are movies based on fucking comic books. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, comic books drew women to be big breasted and thin Barbies that could lift a house. I get it, but. The absurdity of things, we have to accept suspension of disbelief. We have to lean into that. And Letitia, I'm fine with her being thin because Chadwick Boseman was never a thick character. No, the thing about it is that was you the know, only thing. I so, never noticed. It never bothered me until the fight sequence at the end. And then I went, Jesus Christ. Uh, She's like. She's like a toothpick. Anyway, nah, I, it didn't it. bother me that I'm, much. I'm it obviously didn't bother fighting. me that much. Yeah, I obviously didn't. It didn't bother me I that much. I think they made I a great Namor job. Was it great. shows the reason that it that it makes me hate Thor: Love and Thunder more, and, I, and you as yeah. well. And we talked about this. Yeah. Is you know you've got an opportunity to take a complicated story, complicated by the death of your lead actor. With the weight of how successful Black Panther was. You know, look at the weight of how successful Ragnarok was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The stories come. You you have to make up for the death of your king, for the death of the actor. Make that shit work. You have to tell a congruent story. You have to introduce and make us uh, feel for a a new bad guy who's going to... A new bad guy who, because again, these are comic Which they book nailed. movies. They a nailed new bad guy Neymar. that is. God, he was great. Is he not like the first, one of the oldest Marvel? Yeah, he's like he's one of he's not era. the oldest. Technically, Mar- Mole Man is the oldest uh, Marvel villain, but uh, Namor is the first. I mean, long term, yeah, long term. Like, Namor is no like, fucking he's joke. Been, yeah, he's a big fucking deal. Uh, well, it's one of the things that uh, that uh, that one character says is that he can fly because of the wings on his feet. And he's as strong as the Hulk. Those yeah. things are true. Yeah, I mean, Namor is a big fucking Namor's deal. Namor's a bad so motherfucker. Namor the is way, like the way they the introduced of, him. And this is again like face like how to write good characters, how to write a good story. Namor oh. is arguably uh, he's near invincible. He can fly. He can swim. He can breathe in the water. He can breathe in the air. He's as strong as the Hulk. In and out. He owns the fucking earth. Water yeah. and air and land. Done. He's a badass. But they didn't make him a Mary Sue like they did with uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, that is true. Namor is a... He is Throughout the movie, he is humbled. He is weakened. He is humanized. He is thoughtful. He's a good bad guy. And yeah. It's a and really that, good and bad that's, guy. That's hard to do. And he's a bad guy that I want to see. I want to see more I mean, of the him. The thing about it is Kugler did the thing that I didn't think he could possibly do, which I kind of thought he would, but I was I was really hoping he would. But he did everything he did everything I thought was respectful and serious. And lovely about uh, honoring honoring someone who we all loved and yeah. who they all loved. But it, but it, also, it wasn't a fan it, service. He thing. made it. A, yeah. But he also no. It, but he also made it a very compelling story. And more importantly, and that's the thing about Marvel movies, 
he made me want to see more of all of those characters. All of them. I yeah. want to see Okoye in the in the in the in the Blue Angel thing. Uh, I want to see Shuri as Black Panther. I want to see more Namor and wherever it goes. I want to see more Ross and Julia Louise Dreyfus. I want to see all of this shit come to play in later movies, which is key. Yeah. To a Marvel film, and at the end of Thor Ragnarok, and for that matter, I'll be honest with you, at the end of uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it didn't leave me wanting any more. No, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, look, I want to see more of Winston Duke as Mbaku. I want like, to see more. All Mbaku I want is, is more. Fuck. If, the thing about it is, I Give know you're doing Disney some spin-offs. Plus of Mbaku Akoyo. just like hanging out on the weekend. That's what I want. Akoya's getting, getting her own, I think, from what I read, her own Disney Plus series. Give me a fucking Give Mbaku, Mbaku series. Because that guy God, is... God, I love Winston Duke. First of all, Winston Duke is so charismatic. Um, he's so much fun. And he's such a, a, a an excellent presence on the screen. I love the guy. He would be a great um, Black Panther to replace T'Challa. I mean, well, see, I want him to be the king. I want him to be the yeah. king. I want her to be Black Panther. But there, but the thing is, at the end of it, regardless of what I want, I want more. And if that's not the sign of a great Marvel movie, nothing is. And now, Warsack of the News. All right, I've got I've got an interesting mix of Warsack for you. The first one is in your neck of the woods, Block. ClubChicago.org. Yep. The hideout will close until uh. 2023 after ex-employee says venue is a toxic workplace. Performers cancel shows. All right. For context, the hideout is a big deal in Chicago. For those of you listening, they're not a part of Chicago. It is uh, sort of a dive bar off the strip. Um, off, I say the strip, and then I suddenly go to Las Dude, Vegas. It is it's off it is, sort of the beaten path. It is it's off, off the beaten yeah, path. Off off the beaten path. It's it's in but my it own neighborhood. Home, it's, uh, it's right outside yeah. of Wicker Park, Bucktown. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is a cultural. It is, it is a yeah. It's a cultural milestone. Um, they hired a local DJ to be the booker. He decided he was fired. He decided to put out in this multi platformed Instagram post how it was a racist, toxic workplace. A bunch of performers canceled the shows. The hideout said they'd try to do better, and now they're closed till 2023. What are your thoughts? Uh, so they're, <laughs> I mean, look, man, I love the hideout. I love the rock shows that have been played there. I love the weird comedy shit. I love all of it. Love the hideout. I, I, I wish I spent more time there. Uh, but they're closing. Why? For like a corporate retreat to figure out how they could be less 1990s. I what? What? I, I don't understand why they're closing. Well, there's been for, some fo- there, till 2023. They, 2023 thing, is six weeks away. So big fucking deal. They're, what are they they're, just they're, taking well, a vacation? Here, here's, Here's the thing, um, and and I've read enough about this. I don't know why I got so fascinated by this, but uh, there have been uh, multiple pieces written about this. Uh, most of them um, follow the playbook of whatever whatever the black man said must have happened. There's been a couple of pieces that that actually did some investigation, okay, and 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 provided a little bit a little bit more information about the specifics. And it's not as cut and dry as oh they were racist and he's righteous. Um, but the reason they're closing down is because everybody agreed 
what Mike Mikel said was true, and they're a racist piece of bunch of shit, and so they closed down because everybody canceled their shows, so they had no shows. This is after COVID, where they really oh. couldn't have shows, so okay. they don't have the fucking money to stay open. So okay, so all right, so everybody was like, "Oh, one guy said the shit, we're gonna cancel it." Great, we're closing to do what get new leadership nuts to no my guess is the my guess is they're closing what they say what they say on paper what they've said on instagram is they're closing so that they can restructure and find new leadership and yada 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 Good. okay fine. what my i don't what care. my guess is is they're closing they're closing because it without any kind of shows they're not going to have any All right. action which means they're not going to make any money which means it makes no sense to stay open for the next couple of months sure, because fine. nope, everybody okay. they're waiting for it to blow over. Ugh, so fine. you don't All care. Right, fine. You, no. you, yeah, Look, you man, really don't care. I I, yeah. I just think it's interesting. Look, when you op- when you reopen, I just hope that you're producing the same kind of innovative, uh irreverent performances that you've all that you've become known for, that you've become loved for. And you know, fix your shit. Don't be racist. Don't be fucking sexist. But well, what if they weren't? Well, I don't. I don't know. I. I look. What's done is done. I don't know if they weren't or not. I. I never produced a show there. I couldn't tell you. I. The shows I've seen okay. there never felt racist or sexist to me. They felt funny and interesting. But I don't know what came at that cost or at what cost that came. But. Uh, like yeah, shut down. Do the right thing. Save your money. Come back when it's right. But do the good work that you're there for. Because if if the if the hideout opens up and it's just you know running Gin Blossom reunion cover band shows, eh, just shut the fuck down. Although I will totally go to those shows. Number two. In the Guardian, Pepsi weren't counting on a dreamer like me, the student who sued a soft drink giant for a $23 million fighter jet. All right, here's a little context in the in the thing. In 96, PepsiCo... That hurt my Pepsi, fucking eyeballs, man. Yeah, I know. Pepsi, Pepsi made a mistake. They'd launched its Pepsi Point scheme, told customers they could save Pepsi labels and redeem them against Pepsi-branded merchandise. And as a joke, Pepsi put out that anyone who collected 7 million labels would be eligible for a brand new... Harrier jump jet, but they did not say it was a joke. And this one kid, John Leonard, Washington State Community College student, found out that he didn't have to buy 7 million Pepsis to save them, that he could do them for, uh, you know, basically he could he could buy Pepsi points for a dime apiece. And he basically saved up 7 million, 7 million Pepsi points. And wanted a guy, he wanted his goddamn Harrier jet, and Pepsi had to buy him a Harrier jet. Yeah, Pepsi owes him a Harrier jet. Done. Yep. Your, your thoughts? I Any think thoughts? that they, the Pepsi owes him a Harrier jet, and they give him a Harrier jet. The dude found a loophole. Loopholes exist. We all live with that fact. You got to be careful. Where's your attorneys on that shit, Pepsi? Give the kid a fucking jet. They did. Yeah, good. And what's he doing with it? I hope. 
Well, he's fucking, not legally allowed to I hope, fly. I hope, I hope he's a Lyft driver, and that's how he takes people to the bar. <laughs> Number three. In the New York Times, it is uh, a very interesting article. It says, they paused puberty, but is there a cost? The substance of the article is that uh, in, in the United States, the medical community has said that puberty blockers given to uh, emerging pubescent children, they have said for years now um, that it has no side effects. Well, in Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and the UK, and they've been doing this for a couple of decades, they now finally have a certain amount of people that have encountered this. That's how science works. And what these four countries decided was that puberty blockers in a lot of people cause bone density problems resulting in osteoporosis, liver disease causing people to have liver function, cognitive. And so those four countries have now ceased to to provide puberty blockers to transgender youth without serious scrutiny as opposed to just kind of giving them out like candy the way they used to and the way we're doing in America. It has caused quite the scandal. This is the piece in, and it's the New York Times. It's not like unheard yeah. or fucking Breitbart. This is this is the NYT. So what are your thoughts? This is, this yeah, it makes it complicated. complicated. Uh, so let me so try your and thoughts? get this straight. So the headline, again, the headline alone, what is it? They paused puberty, but is there a cost? Well, apparently there's a cost. Uh, and, and there is no question that there's a cost. I mean, let's let's keep studying this. Let's let science do its thing and keep studying it. If it's causing harm, I don't know. Let, let's just let's ride ride this shit out and keep investigating, and keep studying and learning. I. Okay. You're, so what you're saying? So what you're saying is that if a child at ten years old says, "I'm transgender and I want puberty blockers," that we have an obligation scientifically to say, "Maybe not right away." Let's let's take a look at this. Or, yeah, or- I, I think I think so. But I also think that a child at ten years old saying an extreme thing like that, I, I, you know, I. At ten, it just feels a little young for that kind of intense stuff. So you're a Floridian, then? Look, man, if if Harry says to me now he's four and a half years old, if he says, "Dad, I'm a girl, and I want to have girl parts." I would be a fool to rush him to the hospital or take him to the hospital and, you know, get on a wait list even for puberty blockers and gender reassignment and surgery and all that shit. I'd be a fool because Harry says a lot of a lot of things that make no goddamn sense or aren't connected to what he's really feeling. He's so, four to so fucking you're voting. Half. But so in 10, 2024, you're voting for Ron DeSantis. No, you're, you're voting no. for Ron DeSantis in 2024 is what you're telling me. No, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton, whether she's running or not. But if he says to me at age 10 or even 11, as puberty starts to kick in, that he's feeling this way, I like to think 
that I would have an idea of like, okay, we've got a history of him in these conversations and his behaviors. All right, well, I think, and I would have a conversation with Katie and say, Katie, I think that Harry, you know, might be, could be transgender at some point. Like, he might, he might have body dysmorphia and needs to be diagnosed with that. But let's, let's deal with this shit slowly and carefully not because of any sociological thing but other than or just because it's a big fucking deal and i will say to harry and katie at when harry is 10 11 years old harry let's not make any major decisions just yet let's see how puberty plays out and i and i will have that conversation about how puberty plays a major fucking factor in your development and that you know i don't want to hurt you i want to do what's best for you <clears throat> so let's do that in the safest way possible with a plan it comes down to parenting i i, I don't know I, I so you're you're going to vote for 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 abbott the texas governor well, I mean, I'm going to vote for the person who is going to wipe out all trans people in the plan. No, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, no, it's I, I, I think that this is a huge thing. So you're saying it's I not an either or it. thing. It's not you're an either it's or not thing. An either, it's a careful, it's more nuanced. complicated, nuanced well, holy thing. Shit. Of course. Like, I, I don't I don't know how dad. to respond to it in such a simple way. Like, it's very complicated. Yeah. You have to know your ch- as a parent. I feel like I have to know my child. Consider my child's history. Consider the facts and the science that we have available to us and make a decision based off of all of those many variables. So you would say that you would not, number four, allow your son to work for Elon Musk. It's Twitter because the headline is Elon Musk to staff be part of a new hardcore Twitter or leave. No, I would. If my son told me that he wanted to work for Elon Musk, I would bash his brains and I would gladly take the hate crime as a charge against me. Number five, FDA finally says lab grown meat is safe to eat. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Look, man. if you could see his face when he said it, that was that was a that was a hangry. That was a hangry fuck yeah. Look, dude, if as long as like the process for creating the lab grown meat does not out gross and out climate change raising beef, I'm all for it. It gives people jobs, it's it saves the environment. If it tastes as good, I still get the same nutrients and protein, etc. from it. Fucking great. I don't care. Do it. All right. And finally, number six, and this really is kind of the biggest deal. It's in the Guardian. It's in the opinion section. And usually I try not to go with opinion pieces for the Rorschach. Knives out. Chris Evans pays price for having a private life. Now, here's what happened. What? Apparently, I know, Chris Evans apparently in 2022 is People Magazine crowned him the sexiest man alive. Apparently in an interview, 
he 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 led his fans to believe that he was single, but he's been in a in a, a very committed relationship with Alba Baptista, the star of TV series Warrior Nun, who is half his age, but real cute. Um, and of course, his he's fans real cute. Are, babies are cute. Yeah, and 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 Chris Evans is cute. He's the sexiest man alive. Um, and his fans are causing him great havoc because they feel like he misled them by making them think he was single. And now his fans are causing great havoc because he has a girlfriend. What are your thoughts on this? Shut the fuck up. I think that I spend, I think whether I mean to, I think it's a subconscious thing that I spend 99% of my day convincing people again. This is the subconscious part of me, but sure. convincing people that I am single or that I'm willing to be single. <laughs> and it's not because I don't love my wife, because I do love my wife. It's, but you'd like to fuck a 22-year-old. I'd like to know that I could fuck a 22-year-old. All right, there you go. And right. because of my age, I'd like to know that I could fuck a 52-year-old. Or a 62-year-old. Let's get nuts. I'm at the perfect age to enjoy all the bullshit. Oh, so, actually, I'm at the perfect age. I'm actually at the perfect age because the daddy issues go crazy. Ah, good see point. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, they go nuts for it. They go no, nuts man. for it. Look, Chris, Chris Rock can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. Uh He's the sexiest man alive, according to People Magazine, which Chris, I don't think anybody look, reads. Man, Chris who Rock reads, is, Who reads People Magazine? Chris Rock is Captain America. Chris Rock is the sexiest man alive. He is... Yeah. And I... Give it to Captain Chris Rock. I, it's... It, it, Chris Jones... It, it, Chris Jones, even though he's the short Brit who works for the Tribune, he is the sexiest man alive. Look, man, if Chris Kringle wants to not be totally open about how single or not single he is, let him fucking do it. Part of the joy of being an actor is you get to pretend for a fucking living. And if you want to make your life a mystery, fucking make your life a mystery. There are six things you should do this week. My first thing this week is a read. Of course, it's in the Atlantic. It's by Ian Bogost. I don't know why I said his last name that way. That was aggressively insulting. I'm sorry, Ian. Ian Bogost. Bogost? Get a better last name. Uh, The headline, The Age of Social Media is Ending. Subhead, It Never Should Have Begun. God. (coughs) Whether you agree with it or not, it's a good thing. It's funny. It's funny that we're in the same thing because my first thing is also a read. It is in the uh, <coughs> the uh, the honestly Substack. Um, it is how it common sense. Common sense Substack. She has guest writers once in a while. Joffrey Kane writes how China got her kids hooked on digital fentanyl. It is about the the heinousness of. Uh, TikTok and how TikTok is a Chinese intentionally addictive thing. I highly recommend you read it because 
It really shows how nefarious the technology behind TikTok is used against the communist citizens of China in its algorithms and how they basically took the way that they took the technology used to tamp down on any resistance in China and put it into TikTok and TikTok now rules the world. So it's a really dark piece and somewhere on the same line as social media needs to peak. Yeah. Uh, it's a good piece. It's yeah. It's called how China got our kids hooked on digital fentanyl. It's a good piece. All right. My next thing is, uh, it's a read. Uh, this is, a. Uh, Self-aggrandizing read. It's on literateape.com. It is entitled National Novel Writing Month is for the Faint of Heart. It's by David Himmel. It's, it, I mean, we're in November. It's National Novel Writing Month. And this is, I just want to read you a quick excerpt from this Pleat, piece. Please, since it's your words, let's go. When did you write this? I wrote this November 5th, 2018. All right, so a couple years ago. It's always nice to bring back some of our older pieces. I like that. So this is all about writing a novel. The whole truth, because I wrote, the, the, it came out of this whole National Novel Writing Month. The reason I wrote this piece is because I, for two years, two consecutive years, Jared Keen and I went up to Michigan to the camp that I grew up at in October when it was shut down, and we were a writer's sweatshop. And we fucking five days, six, five, six days, 24 hours just beat the shit out of ourselves and our computers writing novels. We banged out novels in a week. Yeah, they needed editing. They needed to work. They weren't that fucking great. They became great. But we got the majority of those novels banged out in a week. Okay. So this idea of like writing a novel in a month, it's such, such a cute thing. You got your tea and your, your moleskin and your pens and your pencils are sharpened. Fuck off. The whole truth is that even when you're thrumming along in the groove of your life and the words are flowing like an infant boy's piss stream, hardship is sulking right around the corner. Maybe it's under your mug of tea, the one with the cutesy writing on it. You know, your writing mug. You're going along without any obvious provocation. You stop. You don't know what to say. The words escape you. But you continue on because you're a writer, and writers write, after all. And it feels like you'd have better luck getting published if you walked away from the keyboard and gargled nails instead. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We should try. We must try. But we must also remind ourselves that writing a novel is not a, um, novelty. It's a fucking war. So good, read good this piece, piece all right. and understand I have to reread this that piece. It's, yeah. there's nothing cute about writing no, a novel. Not. There's it's nothing cute about ugly. writing anything. It's a fucking, it's a fucking war. Ugly thing. My second thing is a read in the Atlantic. Um, it is called America is Pursuing Happiness in All the Wrong Places. Um, it is by uh, Arthur C. Brooks. It's about his decision to leave a, a great job and write about happiness for a living, which is interesting given that we're talking about writing. One of the things I will read from him, he says, he's basically talking about where we where we're missing out on happiness, that we're seeking happiness through self-love, self-care, this kind of stuff. He has three quick, he said, uh, actually four. He said, then all of us voters and politicians like should make these four joyful commitments. And I will share these commitments for you. I still think you should read the whole piece. Number one, 
Renounce all rhetoric of contempt and hate for fellow Americans. Number two, leave behind leaders who keep us mired in this swamp of grievance and victimization. Three, make a commitment to reject all political violence without fear or favor. And four, search for stable mainstream policy solutions that a majority can live with while disregarding the approval of radicals and activists. It's actually a remarkably good piece. Well, well written. And uh, I'm glad the guy took his career and said, I'm going to write about happiness because he's pretty good at it. Great. Yeah. My third thing then, it's a watch. Go see Wakanda Forever. I mean, it's it's a movie that is touching. It is funny. Like, laugh out loud. Quality funny. Seriously funny, yeah. Great action. Good character development. And to my other point, I don't, I don't know that I, I closed the loop on this, but like why Black Panther Wakanda Forever made me hate Thor Love and Thunder even more is because, one, it was a... The writer, director, Ryan Coogler, you know, like the, the whole cast, the whole cast, the whole production company, the whole production had a heavier, harder, muddier lift to make a good movie than Thor Love and Thunder did. All Thor Love and Thunder had to do was have Thor kick ass and have Jane kick ass yeah. as Thor and make and a really good fucking heft. bad guy and give the bad guy an intense story that mattered. And they, they didn't the do it. They made fucking jerk off jokes. They made what? Can I can I, can I give you yeah, an yeah. example? In Chicago improv parlance, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Let's put it this way: Wakanda Forever was a group of improvisers that got together. They wore suits and ties. They took what they did seriously. They presented it as this is entertainment, and you spent your money, and we respect that you've spent your money, and we're gonna do the very best we can. Thor Love and Thunder was a bunch of fucking jackasses wearing T-shirts and stained jeans yeah. thinking they're the fucking funniest guys in the world and sucking ass. That's the difference. Yeah. And it just, it proves, you know, the MCU Phase 4 has been the little wonky, not solid, not quality off the bat. This is quality. And it shows that there's still the capability for the MCU to make a great film that is touching that is a hero superhero film that is serious about itself and that is funny based on character developments character relationships and is honest and you know like i cried a lot in that movie i cried i cried a lot like there's some really really touching moments and i laughed a lot and i got thrilled a lot and i was interested a lot Thor, Love, movie. and Thunder, I movie. went, can I see more cleavage on Natalie Port? And like, that's kind of how it my number that. three. <laughs> my number three, I've only seen one episode, but I'm going to recommend it anyway, because it has, it has, it has so many things that I think are going for it. Um, you and I have talked a little bit about Taylor Sheridan. He's the guy that created Yellowstone. I've not seen anything of Yellowstone. But I did see 1883 with Sam Elliott, and it was the prequel, one of the prequels to Yellowstone. And I thought, wow, this one guy's of the really prequels. Got... How many prequels are there? He's got a second one coming out called 1220 or 1923, starring Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford. 
Oh my god! And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to that. I was hoping but that this 12, really... 1293 would have been better. Yeah, twelve ninety three. No, no, it's twelve. Tw- uh, what happens? I don't know. We're anyway, waiting to die. We're all waiting anyway, to die. I, I I really think Taylor Sheridan has something going on. He's he's got some quality. This is created by Taylor Sheridan. It includes several writers of The Sopranos. I'm piquing your interest yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like I like. It that is Italians. starring. It is starring one of my favorite human beings on the planet, Sylvester Stallone. And it is called Tulsa King. It is about a a guy that a goomba it's like not a, a goomba. A, can you do, can you explain? Can you give the plot line in a Sylvester Stallone impression? Is about a a guy. Who was a capo for the mob in New York City, and uh, this is really good. He's been he's been in prison for twenty five years for not uh, ratting out the other capos, and uh, because he's old, he's like seventy five years old, but he's still kind of a badass. They tell him to go take over Tulsa, Oklahoma, because there's no mob, there's no mob presence there. And Sylvester Stallone goes to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and becomes the mob presence there. I'm I telling love it. you, that's great. Just the first yeah. fucking episode, I was like, my mom and I watched it, and it was just like every moment I was thrilled. It's so sty Stallone. It's very funny. It is violent, but it's I mean, it's just simply funny. One of my favorite moments. Is he ends up? He gets off the plane. He doesn't know Tulsa at all. He he feels like he's in prison again. He's been banished. He gets in a cab. The kid keeps calling him. It's a black kid who's driving the cab. He keeps calling him gangsta, and it pisses him off because he's like, "I'm, I'm not a gangster." How do you know I'm a gangster? What do you say? Anyway, and, and the kid's like, "It's like calling you player." That's just what I call. So he doesn't get it. Well, there's there's obviously a tension. Well, he gets out of the cab. He deals with something. He comes back out. He says, all right. He gives him a wad of cash, a huge wad of cash. He goes, I want you to go buy me a Navigator, fully loaded black. And then uh, I'll meet you tomorrow. I'm hiring you as my driver for $2,000 a day. Wear a collared shirt. The kid goes to buy the Navigator. They won't sell it to him because in Oklahoma, they think a kid, a black kid with all this kind of money. Yeah. Is is a crack dealer. So St- Stallone says, "Take me to him." Yeah, and they go to the they go to the car dealership, and Stallone comes over and he says, "Now you wouldn't sell it to him, but you see the problem is, and I love it's one of my it's just the fucking best." He goes, "The problem is, you see him and you see a criminal, and you see me in my nice suit, and you think you're going to sell me, but your problem is." You're afraid of the wrong thing. And just beats the shit yeah. out of this guy. He says, I'm going to call the police. He's, let me get the phone for you. And he beats the shit oh. out of him with the phone. He says, That's and then he looks at he casino goes, shit. It's the best thing ever. And he says, now you're going to, and he says, now you're going to sell him a navigator. And the black kid goes, fully loaded. He goes, Fully loaded. It's the best. It's like, this is the movie or the show yeah. I've been dying to see from Sylvester Stallone. I love it. Tulsa King, Paramount Plus. You got to watch it. I've only seen one episode, so I could be wrong, but I do not <laughs> think I am. I, I think this is going like to be that. a. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a great ride, and I can't wait to. Uh, maybe I'll recommend it when the first season's over. I'll say, "Yeah, I was wrong," yeah. but I won't be because it's fucking great. And there you go. And that—that that is the show. Is the show, my friends. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Go see Wakanda forever. Don't vote for Donald Trump in twenty twenty four. Oh fuck! Let's man. all feel really bad for Chris Evans because he's having sex with like a kid that's super hot with great tits. And Jesus. Uh, and. And don't take puberty blockers if you're 10 years old. I think we've we've accomplished a lot today. I think we've accomplished a lot. Your weekly lessons from Literate Ape. You can listen to the Literate Ape cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?